This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted pride of West London podcast. And unfortunately, I have to relay the fact we're coming to you from the virtual joint again. A little bit gutting, seeing as like only like literally, was it yesterday or the day before? It was last night we were in the pub, enjoying the match against Watford, seeing the goals, having a few drinks with our friends, totally socially distanced down the globe. Very good night as well. It was. It was always like sort of kind of like the. It's always like New Year's Eve again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know. So uh, and then after that, now we have now tipped it to tier three with the rest of the country. So we're going to be podcasting virtually. We're going to be watching games virtually. We're just going to be sitting in our houses and keeping ourselves safe as we go into the Christmas time. I hope everyone's keeping themselves safe out there. I know Beast fans will have a big smile on their face after that match last night but after the last two matches because it's gone very very well like I said to you my name is Billy Grant and I'm here in the virtual joint virtually sitting with my buddies over a post-match drink Uh, I'm very well thank you I've uh, I've cheered up a lot in the past uh, past week or so Um, yeah I've been from going to see the the first game at um, Lionel Road was fantastic for me I really really enjoyed that and uh, since then I think we've been uh, we've been playing all right and uh, yeah I've, I've been very impressed with the performances and uh, it's cheered me up good I'm glad you're happy you got yourself a bit of Christmas cheer there Savvy B and we'll talk more about that in a little bit we've got the Liberal Nick West Country Liberal Nick who is, uh, well, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you're, 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 you're the only one of us who's actually not in Tier 3. You're like in Tier 0 or something ridiculous, you know. You, you're running around with no clothes on down there. You're so happy, aren't you? Bill, as the true Liberal, delighted to welcome you to Tier 2, um, where I'm really, it's really good to be uh, able to be out and about. Still subject to some of the restrictions, but... Um, and you, if Brentford want to ground share with uh, Exeter City, that would be really useful because then we could all come and down to the game. It's a bit, a bit of a travel for, for a lot of fans, but for me, 30 minutes down the road, that'll be fine. 
but uh, no all good all good and uh, looking forward to chatting about what has been as i've said a couple of really good performances in the last uh, seven days they have been very good performances indeed which i think is quite interesting because you know we'll, we'll you know probably talk about you know thomas frank's comments we'll talk well we'll definitely talk about thomas frank we'll be talking about the games we'll be talking about you know the feelings that have been going around, because I know there's been a bit of unhappiness with the way that Brentford have been playing this season. You know, there's been quite a lot of negativity considering where we've started the season. Again, this is not pointing fingers at anybody, because everyone's got their right, you know, to say what they want to about this. And, you know, some people, and I get it to a certain extent, some people might be unhappy that the style of football that we're playing this season hasn't been as pretty as it has been last season. You know whether or not that's uh, a good enough excuse to to get asked for the manager to get sacked. That's a that's a that's a that's what you you know that's a question we have to put out to the you know just to put that to people out there. But people have their opinion. Um, if you see what's going on in and around us, I mean, look at West Brom again. You know, if I look at this league in one way, I'm, I'm sort of quite happy that we are in this Championship division this season. Only because for the various reasons, you know, that we're playing all these Premier League teams and watching that on the TV. I mean, it's bad enough watching the TV in the Championship. Go on, watch all these Premier League games that we've never been to on the TV. I'll be, I'll be in tears. I'll be crying. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> in a way, I'm quite glad that we haven't gone up to a certain extent. But on the flip side of it, and as I explained on the Watford podcast that I was on, Voice of the Vic podcast, I said I was a little bit gutted that, you know, unfortunately, the team that we've got, was broken up last season and I think it would have been a very good team and I think they would have competed very well in the championship um, and looking at the team that probably nipped us uh, pipped us to the post West Brom you know the reality is and I'm not saying this in a bitter way yes of course they beat us to the post because they, they've got more points than us but I think that we were the better team and they have now just gone and sacked their manager and they're not looking fully equipped for the, the Premier League and, and in a way I sort of think <laughs> It's a bit of a waste, isn't it? If they go out and then they come back and they set them, and it's just like, it's almost like, what's the point? It's like you've got this, you know, you've got to at least compete a little bit. And at least I think that we would have gone up there, you know, with that team that we got and competed a little bit. And in a way, I think that was a, it's a bit almost like a bit of a wasted spot. What are you thinking? I'm thinking that actually there is a growing golfing class between the championship and the premiership and it's a bit worrying really because I think I've said this before the yo-yoing of clubs I mean one of Bournemouth or Norwich or Watford are bound to be automatically promoted this this um, season um, my guess is it will probably be uh, Norwich um, but you know they again are one season wonders in the Premier League because rightly or wrongly the owners make the decision not to spend big in the summer. Um, and uh, I mean, that was Fulham's problem two years ago. Um, and it's quite clear that West Brom haven't spent any money at all um, this summer either, relying on the championship team. Um, and that got them up to, to get them in. And all it shows is that they will probably be coming down along with Sheffield United. I look at, you know, we, we rave about Leeds. We, we thought Leeds were an excellent team in the Championship last season. They can't win for love nor money in the Premiership. Last, I think they've lost the last five, six games in the, in the Premiership so far. You know, has, has their bubble burst? I don't think they'll go down because I think Sheffield Wednesday and West Brom are down. Um, but, but it'll be interesting to see. And no, but what worries me is the golfing class. And, you know, yes, we've signed some great players um, in, in the break. But, you know, will they be good enough to, to, to keep us up should we get to the promised land? or should, No, not the promised land. I hate using that phrase. Should get us to the premiership at the end of this season. Um, 
we probably will need to spend a bit more money. And is that money there? That's the other question. I kind of agree with uh, with some of that, but I don't think it's about how much you spend because Fulham showed, as you said, a couple of seasons ago, they spent the whole whole amount and fluffed it. Uh, I think it's about how you spend it. And uh, I think um, you need to grow in the Premiership. Some some teams are good at getting there and staying there. Um, some teams come back down. Uh, they, they, they go up. Like Burnley a few seasons ago, they went up didn't spend any money, came down, was so strong the following season, they went up and they built and built and built, and they've stayed there for a good few seasons now. And I think, um, but there's always a, a time that you're going to go, you know, like last season, as you say, Norwich, Bournemouth and Watford all came down, and they all went up in 2015, didn't they? So it's quite interesting how how the yo-yo clubs keep keep doing it, and it's, um, I, think, I think it's not just three yo-yo clubs, obviously, it's, it's about about eight of them and they will be the ones that tend to go up and down and occasionally just occasionally someone will stay up and make it work you talked about I mean about Leeds United and I think to a certain extent you have to remember as well when you go up when you're down it's about adaptation so for Leeds United you know they have to adapt to a new league their players have to adapt to a new league their managers to adapt to a new league you know there may be an argument that Bielsa is just like I'm Bielsa and this is what I do and he's gone up there and he's doing what he does and teams learn how to, to pick them off and how to how to beat them. Teams up there with, with better players, with, with managers with tactical nous and maybe Bielsa is actually having a massive learning curve and maybe if they stay up they'll be different next season. Very similar to when teams come down to the Championship. Again I was listening to the to the Watford podcast, uh, I think it was Voices from the Vic and they were chatting away saying God I didn't realise how gruesome this this league is how how difficult it is how um how how physical it is how full on it is and for them it's a learning curve for them to come down and if they can't adapt to it they're going to struggle even though it's an inverted commas a lower division so i think it's it's down to yes sav's completely right about how you spend your money not how much you spend your money but also how you adapt with the conditions and go with it and yes I think you are right sometimes I think you probably might have to try and see if you can survive first year and and then see if you can build from there but you know you see teams like Wolves and Hampton Wanderers you know they've done out right out of it to be fair they had quite a lot of money when they're in the championship and they spent it right people said they spend it right when they got to the Premier League you know Leeds you know seem to be doing it Burnley as you said have done it right Brighton you know there or thereabouts but you know I don't think you can. Don't forget, we are we are Brentford, and if you we're going to use this um, sweeping statement on all teams, then we then everyone would use a sweeping statement on how say Championship clubs just spend loads of money to get out of the league, and and we're different to them. So I would like to think if we went up to the Premier League, you know, um, whenever that may be, we would actually be different in the way that we'd approach actually being in the Premier League. So I don't think it's right actually just using a sweeping statement about our all-team struggle and there's a massive gulf, so it's just going to be the same for anyone. Well, I mean, the, the absolute key is recruitment, isn't it? Um, and I mean, we have what is acknowledged as one of the best recruiting teams around. And I don't think that would change whether we're recruiting players for the Championship or whether we're recruiting players for the Premier League. I mean, I heard an interesting piece on the piece on the radio. I think it must have been Five Live on Sunday. Talking about Sheffield United, and Bill, you might be able to confirm this, but they said that, they said that Sheffield United were interested in Ollie Watkins, um, but Wilder was um, not given the money by the board to go after Ollie, Ollie and sign him up. Now, it may be that Ollie and his advisors saw that actually going to Sheffield United was not the right place for him. 
but equally is it the case that Sheffield United were not prepared to spend £30 million on a striker that could quite easily have quite easily be banging goals for them and might be at least making sure that they're out of the relegation zone and not guaranteed to be relegated this, this summer. Did you hear any whispers about Oli going to Sheffield United? I haven't heard this season. I mean, I've been a little bit out of the loop. I haven't sort of sniffed around so much on that. I know the season before there were rumours of him possibly going to them, but he decided to stand firm and stay with us. Um, which is a good thing, you know what I'm saying? Um, but, you know, and, and the reason, part of the reason as well, I think that last season they didn't want to pay the money. So I think that, you know, I think that they might have been kind of uh, sniffing in and around, you know, 12 million or something like that. Again, I, I, I'm, don't quote me on this, but I think they're talking around about that. Whereas opposed to we were looking at, oh, I don't know, is it 15, 18 million? But they didn't want to pay that type of money because at the time they didn't think it was worth it. I think what's happened is obviously he's gone on, scored loads of goals the following season. Maybe um, Wilder's gone, oh, look, I told you we should have got him, right? He's 30 million now, so let's go for him. And uh, the, the old bosses have gone, oh, 30 million, that's just far too much. And it's kind of one of those ones where you make the wrong decision, you end up continually, continually chasing your tail. And I think, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, with players like that, you know, unless you're Man City or on these teams that just, you know, there's some teams that will wait till the end till it's completely proven. They'll just come out with a wheelbarrow and throw the money in. And there's other teams where they've got to get in early because when the price has gone up and up, you you, you know, you can't really get in there. With Ivan Tony, say for example, if they wanted Ivan Tony, you know, any of those Premier League teams, if they, you know, they're all saying, oh, we're looking at Ivan Tony. If they'd gone in and they bid eight million for him from Peterborough, they would have got him, right? And that would have been a bargain for them. 100%. Brentford wouldn't have got him. They would have got him. Eight million. He's gone to the Premier League. Bob's your uncle. Now they're all talking about him. But the fact is that if Ollie Watkins has gone for 30 million, how much is Ivan Tony? You know what I'm saying? So they're going to have to pay at least that money now. So, you know, if they're not on that level, if Sheffield United are going, oh, Ivan Tony, you know, we should have gone for him. Well, it's like, well, you know, you could have gone last season, but you, you didn't go there. So. They've got to be. They've got to be on the money, and if they're not on the money, they could talk as much as they want to, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, sounds like Chris Wilder getting his excuses in early before he gets sacked. That's right. But anyway, listen. Let's forget about the Premier League for now because we don't want to be looking too far ahead. We got to look at what's happening with us now, and what is happening with us now is that things have started to warm up a little bit for Brentford as they got a few couple of good results under the bag this week. We played Nottingham Forest on Saturday and we also played Watford on Wednesday or it's Tuesday night actually because it's Wednesday now and it was a very good set of results that we had but not only that we actually played some very nice football we're going to just step away for a little bit and come back and talk about those two games straight after this little guitar twang so we got four points we should have got six points really Listen, I'm just getting a bit greedy there. <laughs> now, I would have loved six points. And, you know, if the game was uh, over in the first half against Watford, you know, I think we would have very much said, God, how do we not get six points out of those two games? But things did change in the second half against Watford. But talking about the Forest match, first of all, um, before the Forest game, we went into that game and a little bit worried. You know, a couple of the results didn't quite go our way. Derby County was a bit of a stinker. You know, fans in the stadium, great for the fans. And I'm really glad that they all had a good time in the stadium. But the, what was on offer for them wasn't particularly great. The fair was a little bit stinky, you know. And I think they had to sort of uh, put into the bin, you know, and, uh, and and pretend that they didn't want seconds for that one. But uh, <laughs> before that, Blackburn Rovers, you know, went you know down to 10 men. 
and there's an argument to say that we should have put them to bed and we didn't quite put them to bed they didn't have very many chances but the two chances that they got which are not very high chance, chances they actually scored and disappointingly we got a point out of that game even though Blackburn Rovers are a half decent side but coming into this Forest game who were appalling their, their record before this game is appalling. I mean, I talked to a lot of Forest fans, as you know, like Mr. Daw, you know, Greg, the Falls of Gary Baldy lot and everything like that. And all of them, they're on a proper downer. They just said that we are awful at the moment now. And they're keeping their fingers crossed that Hewton will be able to turn things around. But they're saying they are stinky. And they went into that game in that first half, an hour, they were terrible, weren't they, Sev? That was uh, re- really, really bad. So they were absolutely awful. But we were also very good, I think. I don't know if it was um, we got the confidence from them being poor or whether it was the other way around, that we just went out with a lot of confidence and we just knew we could take them. But uh, the fact that they just let um, uh, Jan Elt just run the show, first half hour, there wasn't a player on him. He was just in the middle of the park, spraying passes all over the place, just completely controlled the game on his own. It was just amazing, you know. And I think it took him a good while. I mean, Chris Hewitt an experienced manager, but it took him ages to actually work out what to do. Just stick a man near him. That's all he had to do. And, uh, and it, eventually it did change the, the, you know, the way the game was played a little later. But by then, I think we just um, had such control. And uh, yeah, I, thought, I just thought we were pretty, pretty magnificent that first half hour. And yeah, OK, they got back into it. We... But we were still in total control, I thought. There was, there was never a time that I thought we were going to lose that game. Were you not a little bit concerned? Because, listen, if we had so much domination that first half without necessarily... But we didn't actually score. And then Forrest, because we didn't score, they got their tails up and they started to come back into the game. Weren't you a little bit concerned, you know, considering what had happened the past few games as well, that, you know, that we were say, losing our scoring touch, but we just, we, we didn't actually get ahead in a game where we really should have? I felt we were making plenty of chances and I felt that we were uh, on top of them. I mean, there were a few scary moments, you know, but we know, we know there's quality in that side and uh, especially in the second half when Knockout was able to start running at us. But um, no, I, I felt quite confident. You know, you never know if a goal is going to come. But uh, as long as you're making the chances, that's, that's what matters. And, and I, I felt we were making the chances throughout that. And I, it just felt to me that we were on top. just felt, you know, a gut feeling that we were, we had control of that game. The plus side of that, although there's, there's, there's a lot of plus sides for that, but was, uh, was our defence. As we know this season, Thomas Frank has been really concentrating on defence. Some people might say that we're a little bit more boring this season because we haven't got the flair that we do, but he's trying to get us tight because the answer is that if we don't let any goals, we're not, not going to lose a game. You know, we lost a lot of games 1-0. I think we lost about a quarter of our games 1-0 last season, so he's trying to stop doing that. Um, interestingly, and, and JB will talk about it later, about how far ahead we are this season compared to last season. If you look at the stats that he throws into the pot you'll see what the difference will be it'll be quite interesting but like I said to you the defence is the key and Mads Beck Sorensen who had a couple of question marks around him again this season because people weren't quite sure you know they weren't sure how agile he was they weren't sure about his passing ability however he has shown the world and Brentford fans and everybody that he's actually quite a good defender isn't he Liberal? Yeah, he is. Yeah, I mean, the only disappointment about Saturday's result was that um, we didn't keep a clean sheet because that would have been apparently the first time ever in our history that we'd kept five successive away clean sheets. 
Um, we didn't quite manage to break the record on Saturday, but hey ho, we won, so who cares? Um, records are there to be broken. Mazbeck has really grown up this season, and you can see the defensive work that um, Thomas Frank has put into this team. It, it's become apparent that. And I was reflecting actually on after the Derby result, and the Derby game was awful. It really was dreadful, um, and. I had to sort of go back and watch the highlights, which took about 30 seconds. I'm surprised they managed to find 30 seconds worth of highlights to do to remind myself how poor it was. But actually, are Brentford becoming a functional football team in the in respect that when it's necessary, we grind out a result? That includes a draw. Um, and when when we're on form and when things click and go together, we turn in performances, a bit like you saw in the first half against Forest and, and the first half last night against Watford. Because, and that's what you need to be a automatically promoted team. So full credit to Thomas Frank, because he really has got that defence um, signed, sealed and delivering. Um, Madbeck Sorensen has grown. We, I think, we all of us who've been watching were a bit doubtful about him at the start. He did make some mistakes. I would suggest to you that probably Charlie Good is at the same stage of his development as Madbeck was beginning of last season. Um, um, a, a time at Northampton probably would have helped him in the same way that Madbeck was helped by his time at Wimbledon, and that defence. I don't have any qualms that when Pontus disappears. If we miss, we'll go on to discuss uh, Ethan. Ethan, but if Ethan is out for a game or two, you know we have more than adequate replacements. Um, so, full credit to the team and the and the coaching that's taken place. I think I think the jury's still out on good. I mean, I've not seen uh, enough uh, good from good to actually sort of say no. We can rely on him. Uh, yeah, but Sam, I, I think I, if you look back, uh, Sam, look back a year, and I think you could have said the same about MBS. Yeah, but uh, then it needs a year for good to come good. I mean, I'm not, I'm not writing him off. I'm just saying I haven't seen enough of him of late to say that he's, uh, he's you know, solid and is as good as Mads Beck because I think Mads Beck has been excellent. And, uh, you know, he's, he's not Ethan Pinnock. He's not Pontus Janssen, but he's stepped in and done some really great stuff. To, 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 I think to coin a phrase and using a quite a topical phrase at the moment now, obviously we brought good from Northampton and they won the playoffs last season. So you thought, great, this guy is, uh, up, you know, he, he's, we're going to just plug him in. But unfortunately, it looks like good is not oven ready so uh we're going to have to uh we're gonna have to put it back in the oven for a little bit and see if we can renegotiate that one for a little bit of time and fingers crossed in the new year things might come out all well and good but anyway so let's go to the pub on saturday and tuesday and listen to the fans to hear what they had to say straight after the game yeah, i thought today was pretty decent uh bill i'm I haven't, a lot of the games have been quite dull recently and I, I really enjoyed that. I thought we created a lot of chances, um, spread the goals out and uh, lovely to see Knockar um, sent off at the end. Uh, so, you know, really... Fulham, happy. yeah, Fulham. Fulham. Exactly, Putney, Putney. Uh, very, very happy with that. All in all, you know, much more entertaining than um, both the Blackburn and the Derby game. We never make it easy for ourselves, do we? But, yeah, they're bottom of the league, aren't they? So always going into a game we think we're going to do better than we are, but... Like against Derby the other night, that's always tough. So even when you're playing bottom of the league, doesn't mean you're necessarily going to win. So we always have to go out there and give 110%, to be honest. Frankly, if Ben Rahm was still here, I think we'd be top of the league by now. But, you know, we, we know the situation there. Um, 
think we're in a really good spot. It's, it's amazing that there's, there was there's been any, any negativity around us for me because I think 11 unbeaten, 6th in the league, and there's a lot of players that still haven't hit form yet. That will. I'm convinced that Mbwemo's going to hit form. I'm convinced that um, Carlos has got another gear to go in. Um, yeah, I think it's a happy day, mate. Loving it today. Um, I think you know. I think I, I, we played some. We played some really good football. We look positive. We look strong. Uh, forces run. Uh, you know, great ball in. I mean, great ball, great goal. So I think you know. It was you know good to be still unbeaten. We're looking stronger. A lot better than Tuesday's performance. Um, and we can build from that as well. We can absolutely build from that. It was just so nice to be three goals up. Um, yeah. We looked pretty decent the first part of the first half. One up. Uh, look like we control the game like we did at Barnsley for instance that kind of thing let Forrest back into it the offside he was just about interfering it's like might have been let off but we got a bit lucky with that and to, to come away and score two extra goals very pleasing but we got to do better than that against better sides let's face it I've got a mixed feelings about it because you know the first half we were so much better than them possession chances and if, if, it, if it was two at half time, I don't think it would have been unfair. Maybe it was three nil, to be honest. The second half, they changed the shape, they pressed a bit higher, and it became a bit more of a. Uh, actually, it was a really exciting game, end to end. Um, both teams wanted to win, and it made it a really good watch. Obviously, then um, Sorensen gets sent off. Sorry, I mean, I mean, <laughs> Bennett, <laughs> Bennett, how can you mix them up? Bloody, bloody identical, aren't they? It's not my problem. I've always felt like twins. Mads McPinnock gets sent off. Listen, it was a penalty for me, uh, and again, in previous years, a red card, so a bit annoying. And once it goes 1 0, you think you take a draw all day long and get that goal, and you leave quite happy. But a really good game of football, we've, we've stood up really well against one of the top sides. I mean, if one is, first half, we were strong. We looked really, really strong in that first half, and I don't think Watford knew what to do with us. Um, you know, I, I think we were just really strong. Um, second half, you know, ref changed that game. He really did. I mean, I just going back to the first half. That should have been a, we should have had a free kick for foul Tony. Um, but in the second half, they came out a little bit more on fire. But we still looked really strong. It was never on this earth a penalty. Well, it's like, you could say it was a penalty, but it was never a sending off. It was never a straight red card. Um, you know, and I hope that they would send out and we've got in it. But you could see that he, you know it was never ever going to be a straight red card, um, and that changed the whole that changed the whole kind of form of the game really. No, I, I think it was pretty good. I I'm always excited when we play the better teams because I think it does bring us a little bit out of ourselves. Um, I think in the last run, whilst we've been unbeaten in all these so many games, we haven't maybe put in the great performances. Coming up against a better team, we seem to be putting in a better performance, and I was I was really impressed today, particularly after we lost the man. There were some really good performances all over the pitch. Look, um, when we went the man down, obviously I'd have taken the draw. Um, in the first half, I honestly thought we were going to win. I always said it was going to be a tight game, and it proved that. Watford proved themselves to be quite a sort of functional uh, side, playing a lot of kind of long balls and crossfield passes, and you know we. We outplayed them actually in the first half when it when there was parity and 11 v 11. So I'm proud of the beast tonight, and I think we can build upon it now with a, a grueling schedule for the rest of December. Just one other positive point I want to say about this before we go over and just look at this game a little bit more. Um, we've been a bit worried 
it's been all about Ivan Tony. You know, as we say, it's sorted. You know, 46 goals he's going to score this season. He has scored 10 and 10, 11 and 11, uh, and I think it's about what's it, 14 and 17 or something like that, or 15 and 17. I'll have to have a look. I'll have to. I don't know. He scored so many goals, and the games are just coming so thick and fast. I've got no idea what's going on. But you know, it's all about Tony, and we, we we're saying that we need to spread the goals around a little bit. But this game, Dalsgaard with a goal, De Silva with a goal. And Tony with a goal. That is good news, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, keep keep spreading keep spreading the goals around. I, I, I do think that, I mean, Tony, of course, is our penalty taker. Um, and uh, that, that, that helps boast, boast anybody's goal average. You've got to score him. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I think the real difficulty is that um, Mumbuemo is not functioning um, properly at the moment. Um, I think it's something we, we ought to discuss and not draw a veil over. Um, I don't know what you do. Um, he, he is a class player. Um, he's got, you know, no doubt he's got the ability. He's probably very low on confidence. Um, I think, uh, I can't remember Saturdays, to be honest. Last night, for instance, though, he took a shot, which was, you know, he should have passed it, but he took a shot. You can see he's desperate to try and score a goal. Um, but... It's one of those classic uh, coaching management dilemmas, isn't it? Do you leave somebody like Mbwemo in the team um, knowing that he will eventually get a goal and that will restore his confidence? Or do you take him out of the team? I don't know, can he play for our you know, B team and rack up a hat, hat full of goals against Rangers reserves or something, which would then get his confidence back in, into scoring? Because... Of our strike force, yeah, force is there, for, for, force, force will score, but he's young, he will blow hot and cold, you know. Of our main attacking strike force, if something happens to Tony, I'm a bit worried that, you know, the rest of the team can, can, can step up playing with, with bits and pieces, parts and goals, but will actually, what, what's the answer about Mbwemo? Somebody tell me. I mean, for, for me, Bremo is actually playing a lot better in the past couple of games. I think he's he's coming back into in, into his uh, into form. Um, yes, you're right about him shooting. Um, I think you know he's he's still a bit you know worried about that. I think he's still playing on his mind. But uh, I mean, regarding you know if if we lose Tony, I think we've got our natural replacement in Fawkes. I think having Tony and Fawkes together isn't um, the way forward certainly not at the moment and um, Canos has been absolutely superb in the past couple of games so I think we're starting to, the reason we're getting these better performances is that these players Buemo Canos are starting to play really well and you see that coming in our performances further up the field and you see more chances being created and therefore more players other than Tony scoring OK so listen we've been chatting about this game well, what we're going to do is we're going to go over to Will, the spreadsheet winker, who's going to be giving us the stats on both the Forest and the Watford game. Will, let us know what's going down. Spreadsheet winker. Today we're going to give a rundown of the Nottingham Forest and Watford games. First of all, away to Forest on Saturday. It finished 3-1 to the Bees. In terms of XG, Brentford made 1.02 and Forest made 0.63. This was another dominant defensive performance from the Bees, 
and is the second game running where we conceded zero XG in the first 30 minutes. We could have been ahead after just seven minutes. Ivan Tony threw one-on-one -on -one with the keeper, shooting wider than that and proving that he is human after all. This had 0.33 XG and it would have been a much higher chance had his position been more central. Then came Henrik Dalsgaard's flicked header from a Jensen corner in the 14th minute. This was just a 4% chance, despite being close to the 6-yard box, because headers, especially from corners, are notoriously the most difficult shots to score. The randomness of a round ball coming off a round head means that these are scored less often than you'd think, and Henrik did excellently to guide it into the net. Then came a period of perceived dominance from Forrest, between the 30th minute and the 86th, where they had 54% possession and made 10 shots compared to B's 3. Knockout seemed to be dangerous, but Forrest never really threatened, creating nothing above 10% XG. The only let-off for the Bees was the offside flag denying Knockhart from about 15 yards out. This would have been a reasonably high XG chance because he was central and there were no defenders between him and Raya's near post. Then everything changed because of Josh Silva's left boot. Cutting inside and caressing the ball into the top corner like we saw him do six times last season, it was a 7% chance from right on the edge of the area. He did brilliantly to draw his marker wide and create the space he needed to make the shot something we've been missing without a certain Algerian winger this season. Next came Ivan Tony displaying his incredible physicality to carve out a huge 31% XG chance on 88 minutes. He beat the offside trap and took advantage of an indecisive Bryce Samba to poke home from 18 yards. This was a predator's goal, the mark of a striker who will chase a difficult ball when already 2-0 up. Joe Worrell then scored a late consolation for the hosts, heading home well from a knockout free kick with just a 4% chance. All in all, very good win for the Bees. We scored three good goals and were dominant defensively. And we created plenty of high XG chances. Now let's move on to the Watford game from Tuesday night. It finished 1-1. In terms of XG, Bees made 1.84, whereas Watford made 1.75. This was a game of two halves. In the first half, despite not scoring, Bees looked completely dominant in defence and attack. We had one huge chance to go ahead, Ivan Tony just failing to slot home a difficult comeback from Josta Silva inside the six-yard box. It was a 54% XG chance. The big man also rattled the crossbar with a 20-yard screamer, which completely beat Ben Foster in the Watford net. Conversely, Watford made no chances above 10% XG in the first half and were limited to only one shot in the Brentford box. We had 65% possession in the first half and this gave our defence and midfield ample opportunity to build up play. Josta Silva was playing further up the pitch than he has done recently, with 69% of his passes in the Watford half. Jan Alt made 46 passes in the middle of the park, of which a huge 40 were accurate. And many of his passes were forwards and out towards De Silva and Jensen, suggesting he's getting better at playing Norgard-style progressive passes. He also won five aerials, breaking up Watford's long balls into midfield. The second half was a tale of two penalties, with Ethan Pinnock seeing red for his challenge on Ismael Assar. Rightly or wrongly, the referee awarded a penalty which Troy Deeney drilled down the middle of the goal. Raya wouldn't have stopped it even if it had been made of concrete. Moments later, Bees had a penalty from a blatant, quite frankly insane handball from Watford defender Cabaselli. Ivan dispatched it in his trademark step-step bottom corner style. Both penalties were automatically 77% XG chances. So Bees were a man down in attack, having brought on Charlie Good at centre-back. Unsurprisingly, Brentford didn't create any big chances after this moment, though we did have three shots in the Watford box, all below 10% XG. Watford made their two biggest non-penalty chances on 72 and 86 minutes, firstly from Saar in a 22% chance, 
and secondly from Tom Cleverley, who flashed across goal in a 28% chance. I think the Bees' defence should be proud of only allowing these two high XG opportunities, despite being a man down. We did allow more shots in the box than before, but apart from these two, there were much smaller chances below 0.1 XG. This, of course, doesn't include the marginal offside decision, which went against the Hornets late on. A cross from Sar was deflected unluckily off Rico Henry, and resulted in a free header at the near post, which would have been a high XG opportunity, and was scored on the night. So I'm pretty happy with a point from this one, given our red card. I thought it was a resolute defensive performance, and we were absolutely dominant in the first half. So there you have it, Will Allsop, the spreadsheet winker, as we say. Nottingham Forest fans, thank you very much for giving us a lovely little feature for us. You uh, took the piss out of us last season and called us <laughs> spreadsheet winkers and we just thought, let's slot it into the show and just do it every week so we could be reminded well, what fun you made of us. But anyway, XG, the way forward. XG is the way forward. Yeah, It's not the FA forward, it's just part of football and it makes you see things in different <laughs> ways, as we, as we say. And I think it's, it's, quite, it's quite good and it's interesting, you know, you liberal, liberal, you know, soothsayer liberal, you know, is, we can see you sort of WhatsApping every now and go, oh, did you know that what XG is like, you know, it's just like thinking, oh, okay, there you go. Listen, it's Listen, not for no, everybody. No, 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 hang on, it, look, Bill, if you ever see me quote yes. an accurate stat or yes. go on about xg i know you've been drinking you know <laughs> i've been smoking something really strange yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right but listen as you said you know as you can see um defense really tight for the forest game like you know and forest created very little decent chances you know nothing over sort of 10 percent. so basically kind of like any shot they had you know only one in 10 or less would have actually gone in the back of the net which is a good position to be in to be fair doesn't mean that you can't score like you know you saw the goals that we scored there Dalsgaard like I said to you brilliant header that was that really clever little header you know four and a hundred of those will go hit the back of the net Josh De Silva typical Josh De Silva that was as well you can see him as he came in and you can see he was going to go and he managed to get that ball on that foot and he curved that in we thought yes Josh but only seven out of a hundred of those shots actually hit the back of the net as well so Listen, they don't have to be all high-class chances. You just have to have decent players that put them in the back of the net. But as we've seen as of late, a lot of those chances that we've been having have been getting over. They've been going wide. They've been going all over the place. So it's nice to see them come in and all in one game. But in general, like I said to you, um, Will, you know, I felt good after that game. And again, I think what these things is that, you know, as a fan, you sit down there, you watch it in the boozer, you think, oh, that was really good. Brentford actually played really well. They came out of that sticky patch and then they went on forward and they scored three goals. So you feel good as a fan when you see it. Then when you see it backed up with what's actually going on on the pitch to show them how little the chances that they created and maybe how they sort of cut them out in certain areas and how they've actually sort of progressed, it makes you actually feel even better because you think, listen, if they're going to continue to do that and they're coming out of that sticky patch, that only bodes well for the new year doesn't it yeah without a shadow of a doubt yeah no um, because I think you know consistency is the key um, and if we can keep turning in consistent performances at the back to contain consistent performances in midfield I mean what will be really interesting as well is have we do we know how long Norgard is out for don't, I mean, you know, Brentford never tell you, you know, they're not going to say he's coming back next week. That's just not what they do. You know, he, he'll, he'll turn up on a bench one time. He'll go, hey, you know, so it's one of those things. But listen, we've got, you know, we've got his rec- his replacement is doing all right at the moment now. So, you know, let's be thankful for small mercies that Jan Elt is doing the business. 
yeah, well, you took away my point because I'd be interested, you know, interesting discussion is actually how do you accommodate Norgard and Janelt together in, in the same team? Can they all play together? I don't think they can. So that's let's, great. Let's cross that, that bridge when it comes. Well, yeah, d- d- my point is, given what the championship season is like, given we, you know, given we've still got the cup fixtures to come up, uh, League Cup, uh, FA Cup starts in, again in January, you know... Uh, by gum, we've got an embarrassment of riches, haven't we? And, you know, what are we going to do with all of these, I, I, I wonder? We do, we do. Listen, moving on, Watford game. You know, listen, that first half performance was tremendous. And I say it was tremendous because we, you know, we haven't seen us play like that for, uh, well, at all this season. And I think we were getting a bit worried that we'd forgotten how to play football like that, losing um, Syed Benrahma and Ollie Watkins. But I think it goes to show you it does take a bit of time and probably having the right combination of players on the pitch. They look fast, they look up for it. And maybe also it did help that Watford were, well, saying that, they're saying Watford were, you know, Watford are a good side and Watford play half-decent football. But Watford are also quite direct. You know, they, they, they like to get the ball up there quick up to the to their fast men up front so they weren't necessarily the you know the hundreds percent splaying the ball around like you know like maybe like a Swansea would do or like you know what 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 other teams would do in our league so you know I'm not taking it away from Watford but that was a performance to make you warm in your tummy wouldn't it Sev? Well the the first half performance I thought was uh, superb. Sorry first half performance. Yeah yeah. first half was absolutely magnificent that was our old Brentford back and I think it's um Partly because uh, the Canos had a superb game. He was absolutely brilliant. And uh, I think we all started to click and there was just a kind of belief, probably from you know, the, the Saturday game as well. But we've also got this thing where we do tend to play very well against good teams. Um, and I don't know if that's you know, just, just because they, uh, they play in a particular way and we, we, you know, that suits us. Um, but it, it worked really well and I thought we were absolutely brilliant. And I think the, what we were missing earlier in the season was Ben Rama and Ben Rama's tricks. But when you saw Canals uh, last night, he was just doing some fantastic stuff, really, just picking the ball up and making it work. And there was some beautiful stuff. You know, it wasn't the, you know, the little flicks and tricks, but it was probably you know, sort of even more effective than a lot of Ben Rama's uh, stuff. So I was, I was really impressed. But the whole thing was clicking. I think apart from Jansen in the back, uh, instead of Mad Spec, that's our, our best available team at the moment without Norgard anyway. I mean, when, when they showed us that team um, line-up, I thought, ah, oh, yeah, this is it. This is what well, we're going to give it a go. This is, I mean, I dare say it as well, you know, we, we battered them nil all in the first half. And, OK, the beginning of the second half, they did come back into the game to a certain extent, but we still battered them. If you look at the XG, we, we just absolutely smashed them, you know, to pieces, you know. Um, didn't didn't uh, score any that, goals, though. But we didn't score any goals. However, the game was turned, and it's one of those ones where it's really typical. I mean, we hit the post, we hit the post, we, uh, we had another chance that should have gone in, and, you know, they didn't take those chances where, I'll not be funny, they were absolutely guilt-edged chances, and then they got that penalty and we got a player sent off and that changed the game didn't it it was a frantic frantic five minutes wasn't it in that second half I, I agreed totally with Sav first half I thought was the best half of football I've seen for a while actually in Brentford um, I can't yeah my memory's awful so I can't recall last season's games that that clearly but yeah it was good um, so frantic five, five minutes you know uh, Ethan Pinnock sent off 
um, for a tackle that I think actually was a penalty and looking at it again this morning probably was deserving of a red card because under the new rules he, he didn't actually stop um, he, he, he didn't actually attempt to make a tackle so double jeopardy, double jeopardy did, doesn't apply and Pinnock should have walked um, and then we got the uh, Hold on a second just, uh, Hold a second Liberal sorry to, to stop you there because I just want to just pick up this point here. I think it's a bit strange because I do understand that in the rules. So, in effect, what they're saying is that because to me, he went in there and they kind of sort of kind of clashed and then the guy tripped over. You know, I didn't think Pinnock sort of took him out. They sort of kind of came together, clashed, he fell over. So, if Pinnock had gone in, absolutely scythed him, like, you know, and took his knees out, right, and he'd fallen over and got a penalty, he wouldn't have got sent off. But he no, gets no, sent off for what he's done right. there. He needs to make a, a positive oh, okay. uh, attempt at the ball. If so, you might scythe him down. But as long as you've tried to get the ball and perhaps even got it, um, yeah, it, it wouldn't be. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. So we, we, we'll move on from that. But it definitely changed the game anyway because um, they got a penalty. But ironically, it changed the game in a strange way. I won't say for the better for us, but we had to do two things. We had to kind of uh, firm up. And make sure we went more defensive, not to, to give any chances away. But also, we we actually a bit potty and we, we got a penalty back within a few minutes and we were back in the game, weren't we? Yeah, I mean, that was a, you know, that, that was Stonewall. Stonewall penalty, wasn't any doubt about it. I mean, what the defender was doing, jumping in that way, it must drive his Serbian manager absolutely mad. Um, and, uh, you know, needs, uh, needs a good talking to that defender for what he did. Pe- Ivan Tony, I mean, again... If you watch Ivan Tony's penalty-taking technique, it's fascinating to watch. He never looks at the ball when he runs up. He's looking at the keeper all the time. His eyes are totally focused on the keeper. And, he, and in the split second between Ivan Tony hitting the ball um, and the keeper moving, Tony will send it in... Keeper dives to the left, Tony will send it to the right, or vice versa. I mean, absolutely fascinating penalty technique. You know, just wanders up to the ball slowly. I get nervous every time I see him take a penalty. But then you, you drill down into actually his technique, and it is superb. It really is fantastic the way he takes it, and no doubt he'll keep on scoring. The Watford manager, as you talked about him, Illich, um, he wasn't happy at all I know that you know one of you was listening to his post-match interview and and he was really unhappy with the fact that they basically didn't put us to bed and you know it just shows what a good job we did didn't it yeah he was he was absolutely livid he was um, he was saying that you know when when another team's down to 10 men I expect my players to to go down the wings and get crosses in but instead we were just lumping it from the back straight up and you know the centre forwards were just able to get get rid of it so I think I think he was right. I was quite surprised that they weren't a lot more dangerous once we got down to ten men. So maybe maybe he's got a point. Maybe he's a maybe he's a decent manager after all. But he was quite it was, it was you know he was quite honest. I felt he wasn't dissing us or anything like that by saying that they should have won because in reality when they're one 0 up and down to ten men they should have won. And credit to Thomas Frank for sending on force as well. I mean you know. Frank wasn't going to just sit back and ensure that a 1-1 result. He actually went for it. Um, and, you know, we could easily have won that game. We had, I think, a couple of chances, didn't we, after Force came on, which, uh, you know, on a, on a better day would have, would have seen us walk away 2-1 winners. But you've got, to, you've got to say to the manager, really refreshing to see a manager not decide to just shut up shop on 10 men, but actually go out and try and win the game. Really, really good stuff from Thomas Frank there. 
and Thomas Frank, he got a little bit lively in that match as well, didn't he? I mean, it looked like he got a yellow card, and it looks like he could have got a red card. He was very, very angry with the referee. He had to... Um, he had to hold his words after the match when he was talking about the referee and the sending off in certain situations. And uh, it's fair to say that, and we know this because he's a friend of the pod and we've been down the pub with him, had a drink with him. He is definitely a very passionate manager. And, and I can't understand, again, listen, each to their own, but people slagging him off and just thinking that he's like, he needs to, needs to go. Oh, listen, you know, be careful what you wish for is well, what I say. Listen, look, you know, certain clubs out there, look what they're spiralling downwards when they've, they've done the similar type thing, isn't it? Now, what I did like is that he actually went over to the um, to Ivic at the end of the game and apologised. And he said in his post-match thing that, you know, he, he, he apologised because he got too passionate and he shouldn't have done. And he also went to the assistant refs and the referee at the end of the game and apologised and did a fist bump with them. And uh, I think I think that's that's good. That's a sign of somebody who's passionate but also sensible. Manners, as we say. I, I was just reflecting that I used to complain about Dean Smith not being passionate enough on the touchline. Now, we're 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 there, and um, you know, got a really passionate manager. Really good to see. Really good. Really good to see. Just quickly as well, Sergi Ganyos. Uh, um, he complained about people just commentators calling the wrong name, Ganyos. And uh, were you pleased to see that actually they seem to have got it right yeah, in this game? It's Canos. The, the accents on the O. There isn't one of those funny little squiggly things on the end. It's Canos. No, at all. Listen, people are just making up New Guard and Canos and, you know, Huthorns and all this nonsense. Forget all that. Like, anyway, listen, JB's going to give us a bit of funk and some stats and some facts. So we're going to go over and listen to what JB is going to tell us this time with some unusual stats and facts. <laughs> Hi, Jonathan Birchall here again. The win against Forest was our 8th of the season in the 18th game, exactly the same as last year. However, this year, we're 4 points better off as we've had 7 draws as opposed to only 3. We've also scored 5 more goals, with 27 compared to 22. And this season, we're sharing the goals around a bit more. We've now had 8 different players score, whereas last year it was just 5, when it was a BMW plus Camo and De Silva. Match 19 last year was a game against Luton. The 7-0 was equally the highest Griffin Park scoreline with a clean sheet since the 9-0 against Wrexham in 1963. Although Griffin Park did in fact see a 10-0 win back in 1914 in the Southern League Second Division. With World War I already underway, football tried to carry on with business as usual. Abertillery were the unfortunate visitors to concede the 10. However, the result only lasted a few weeks in the record books before they withdrew from the league and all their results were expunged. Back to Forest, and it was no surprise we had a goal-scoring substitute. Josh De Silva became seventh we've had against them, but most against any of this season's championship sides. The other six goals on the bench have come from Philip Hoffman, Lasse Vibe, Neil Morpai, and with three goals, Sergi Canos. Jonathan Birchall there with his stats and facts and funk. Sav, you like a bit of funk, don't you? Uh, I've always I've always liked a bit of funk. I've um, particularly funking for Jamaica, one of my favourite funks. Well, I don't think that he's going to be funky for Jamaica <laughs> or or any any other country at this moment in time, sir, because we're in tier three. Like you're saying, you'll be funky for your front room. I think, like you know. But anyway, Jonathan Birchill. Um, like I said to you, we always 
he throws in little interesting ones. He just like you know, like it's like a fisherman, like you know, just throws them in there, and the fish come nibbling. You think, oh, that's quite nice. But um, the main point that I took off that one as well, or one interesting one that I took off that one again, and we've talked about this, you know, for a few weeks in a row, because like I said to you, people have been moaning about this. Some people have been moaning about our style of football. They'd be saying, you know, our brethren are rubbish. But the fact is that we are at this point in the season, as he said, four points better off than the same point last season. And the main difference is the draws. We're drawing more goals. We're drawing more games than we were last season. We're scoring more goals as well. We scored five more goals than last season. We've got more goal scorers than last season. We've got eight compared to five last year. So in effect, everything is actually a lot better. It might not be as pretty, but it's a lot better. And uh, like I said to you, the one-nil games that we were losing, we're stopping to do that now. Now, if you were, if you were a CEO at a bank or a company and you gave your boss your lead manager a set of you know tasks you say right this is what this is what our objectives are for this year the objectives are you know we're going to you know we're going to lower this we're going to hire this we're going to make sure that all our shops take more and you, and you set them the objectives and if that person gets there then at the end of the day you think listen you know you've done all right of course it's got to be done within the ethos of the company you know you can't be going out and doing all sorts of naughty business to get there but as long as you do it within the ethos of the company then you're all good thomas frank he's looked at last season obviously and he's thought listen we got we got we got out touched in that playoff final against the f word i can't even say their name we've been playing football all season brilliant football and all of a sudden they've gone out they've kept it tight they've really pressed us and they've just nicked a goal at the last minute we should be doing that so he set the objective this season to get ourselves tighter, get ourselves playing a particular type of football. Maybe, maybe not be so pretty, but we're not going out there and probably giving the ball the way in midfield as we probably used to be doing because you're actually sort of taking a little more risks and stuff. So it, it's almost like we're squeezing out the results. And for me, I mean, I can't be going through the, you know another one of those playoff final losses. So um, you know, we're getting the wins out of this, and for me, it's it's a good thing. I think for, for me, the, you know, I think Thomas Frank's learned each year, hasn't he? Because the first year we were just letting in tons of goals. So last year he said, OK, we're going to stop letting in tons of goals. And he achieved that. And I think this season he said, OK, we, lose, we lost too many games 1-0. So how do we do that? Is it just defence or do we have to be a bit more balanced with defence and attack? Uh, you know, do, do we have to find different ways to break down these teams that can just, just you know, sort of put men behind the ball? Um, and you know, do we have to be a bit more sus? And I think he's worked something out. You know, there is a bit more balance, and I think it's probably um, in that kind of midfield area, the defensive midfield, working with the back line is, is kind of sorting itself out. So we're a bit more difficult to, to break down, as shown by the fewer goals. But um, it's not obvious how we've scored more goals apart from the fact we've got Tony in, who's just been scoring for fun. So I'm not quite sure what he's done. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to find out what other people think. That what has he done that has made those one-nil losses? How how have we suddenly learnt to break down these teams? Because it's not obvious to me. I'm not the expert. I can't answer that. You know, you need somebody more qualified, like the Allard, uh, to, to to be on this pod to break it down. Perhaps that's a special. You can do a special Allard one um, with that on. Uh, I think what Frank has done is he's actually just reinforced the messages and I also think that he has um, brought Tony in and Tony is has put in some really good 
defensive with a small d shifts as well. I think he's much more. I think he he's much more of a player who is prepared to run back and help out the the, the midfield. Even at times, you see him in defence. You think, what are you doing back there? Actually, um, as opposed to somebody like uh, Oli or or Said, who you know were out and out real front win front men goal scorers. I think he's. Um, I think what Thomas Frank has done is he said, when we need to defend, we need to defend as a team. All 11 of you have something to contribute when we need to grind out the result, when we need to battle. And I think that's what they're doing. I think, I think you made a brilliant uh, call there, um, Nick, because I think Tony's defending, especially from dead balls, is superb. I mean, he's, he's often our best defender. You know, he's got the height, uh, but he's, he's superb. And you really notice the difference between him and, and Ollie, who... You know, who probably wasn't coming back into the box to defend, and I think I think you're right. I think we have. You know, it's probably good to get JB on on this as well. But to look at the stats and look at how many goals we've let in from from dead balls, because it must be reduced. Because uh, you know, we just look much more solid now and much less scared of dead balls than we used to be. That's right. I think in general, our all-round defending is better. So in the team, again, one of these things that Thomas Frank is trying to be working on. So everybody, you talk about Ollie Watkins, everybody, our wall-round defending is better. And I think then, again, we'll, maybe we'll get Will, the spreadsheet winky, will do a little bit of a Christmas piece for us as well. Maybe what we're doing is that we're, like I said, slightly less risk-takers when it comes to, you know, to, maybe to the way that we're, that we're playing. You know, beforehand, like I said to you, we might be losing the ball in midfield. We do some great stuff, but also we lose the ball in the midfield and we'll be subject to a quick break, a quick break attack, bang, and then, you know, they'll score. I think not in a forest that's how they scored against us at Griffin Park I think it was um, you know that's just the way that they play but this time I think what we're doing is that we're keeping it tight as Mr Pishup Brentford would say and then we are nicking it ourselves if we can do which is a very very good thing Bill if you'd asked me this question yesterday afternoon I would have said that I think Thomas Frank has become much more pragmatic um, in the way that he sets out a team and, and sends people on. The problem is, is that actually, when you look at what he did in the second half last night after uh, Ethan got sent off, where he actually decided to go for the game and put and put on force, you know, and changed a 4-3-2 system, which, again, uh, that, that in itself, I think he, he's prepared to, to, to mix up systems in the course of game more than he was in the previous two seasons. Um, and that's got to be, that's got to have some effect on, on, on our results. Um, but, yeah, but I actually do think that he is, he, he's becoming... I know this sounds stupid, but I think he, he's becoming slightly more adventurous as the manager because he's now confident that he really has got the basics and the building box in place and he can go ahead from that. Yeah, I mean, I think that, he, to be honest with you as well, I think the reason why he did go for it, uh, or he didn't go for it because at the end of the day we had to keep it tight. And there's, there's one of these things as well, actually, you know, to say defending from the front. You know, you can actually kind of try and lob a load of defenders on, you know, and that's not the way to go. I think with Watford, to be fair, they didn't they don't have a great defence. The Watford fans are really, really nervous of their defence and they know that if we continue to hit them, they're on the back foot. And because we kept on pressuring them and we were always on their case, they were they 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 weren't having it all their own way. So for us, it was a very very good way that we actually dealt with that game. I thought bringing Marcus Force on, he's always going to be a danger. He had one opportunity, if I remember rightly, where he was very very close to um, getting the ball. I think they made a very good interception. If not, he would have been right in there. And there we've gone. We would have gone. We would have nicked a goal and won that one two one. But for me. 
Um, like I said to you, defending from the front is very important, and I think Thomas got it right in that game. And, and Watford, you know, listen, their manager was really not happy. They were absolutely quaking in their boots because they knew that there's any moment, any moment in time, we could have actually nicked a goal because we are we are that dangerous. Can I can I just say that I, I think going four three two just makes perfect sense because you know basically we've taken one of our forwards off, one of our front three, so. All, all we've done is not change the shape of the team. And I always get more worried when we change the shape of the team. You know, if we put four in midfield or five at the back. That's more worrying for me than actually sticking to our guns and just taking somebody off, off the top because we're down a player. That, you know, just, just makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And what makes even more sense is the fact that we're going to go into the game on Saturday with big smiles on our faces. I mean, I don't know why that makes sense, but I just, I just thought I'd throw it into the part. Uh, we're playing Reading on Saturday and Reading are coming down and Reading, from what I can gather, on a little bit of a struggle. They've done very well this season. Um, a lot of people gave them a lot of grief all over the place, you know, trying to throw these XG words in there, trying to throw statistics in there, saying they're not creating enough chances to be at the top of the table as they were. But they've defied the odds and they've remained up there. They're in, still in the top six. They're ahead of us in the table. Uh, as we record now, they haven't actually played their game, so they could be quite a few points ahead of us today. But on Saturday, they've got a few injuries as well. And uh, we need to find out a little bit more about Reading and what's been going on this season with another Serbian manager who has been leading them to the top of the table. We're going to talk to Becca from the Tirelist End podcast. She's going to be giving us the lowdown on what's going down in Reading. So Christmas is coming thick and fast. We've got one final league game. We've got Reading coming down to Griffin Park. Unfortunately, there's going to be no fans in the stadium because we have gone up into Tier 3, as you know. So there's a lot of unhappiness in Bradford and we thought we'd be able to get behind the players and give them a good old shout before Christmas time. But no, so it's going to be even Stevens as Reading come down there and uh, they try and do the business. And Reading actually have had a great start to the season. Ten wins. Five losses, that's before Wednesday's night's game because this is recorded before the game on Wednesday night, but they're firmly in the playoffs or even in the top spot a few months ago. But um, yeah, we're going to go to somebody who knows everything about Reading. We've got Becca from the Tilehurst End podcast. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good, actually. I'm all right. We had a good win uh, well, on Saturday and then a, a decent game we played last night. So I'm feeling actually quite confident. So, like, you know, but you must be very happy about your season. Yeah, it's um, it's very unexpected. Um, certainly after the last kind of few seasons where we um, almost just scraped staying up, and I think um, there was obviously a lot of excitement when the new manager came in. Excitement in terms of no one really knew who he was, but it it just that new kind of lease of life into the club, I guess. And um, yeah, it it started well. Um, all those wins at the start of the season and yeah it, I think it has continued and we're much higher than I think most of us would have ever expected us to be yeah I mean and you're I mean not being funny but I mean you've got 10 wins under your belt this season you're pretty much a sort of win or lose team you've drawn three games which is the least game out of the top well top six top seven at the moment now Brentford has drawn eight 
which is very different from last season when we were losing a lot of games, but we seem to picking up draws instead of losses. But you seem to be either winning or losing. I mean, is that kind of how you sum up your side, you reckon? Um, yeah, I think I, I read something um, on Twitter earlier in the week that described us as consistently inconsistent. Um, we we are still kind of seeing two very different sides to, to Redden in we're seeing some really great football, but there's still some very basic mistakes being made. Um, but thankfully, there seems to be a bit of fight in the team this season. There seems to be a lot more togetherness and they seem to want to play for each other and play for the manager. So I think that's where in previous seasons we we would have lost a lot of the games kind of 1-2-0. This is where we're kind of grinding out results. So like I said, we are playing some good football, but when the football isn't as good, we're still, some or majority of the time, still picking up points, which is obviously really good. And, and you mentioned your manager as well. I mean, Vyko Paunovic, he's a Macedonian, and um, he seems to have hit the ground running, really. I mean, he was at Chicago Fire in the MLS, and a lot of people poo-pooed him when they heard it, like, MLS, what's that all about? And he didn't do particularly well there, but, I mean, I know somebody who knows him very well, and he said, look, I made a few mistakes at the MLS, but, to be fair... I'm going to come over. I'm going to. I've learned from those mistakes, and I'm going to put them to good at Reading. And and he seems to have done that, hasn't he? Yeah, I, I really like him. I think, um, like I said before, he's kind of. It's it's a like fresh air into the club. It, he just he knows what to say. Like from a fan point of view, like I enjoy listening to him speak. He he's very um, engaging, and um, yeah, it, it's showing on the pitch that. The team isn't actually that much different to, to what it was last season. We we haven't had a, an influx of players or anything, but he just seems to to be getting it to click, and it, it is it's exciting. And, and what is it? I mean, again, it's interesting to know because you can see, you know, players, you know, managers come, managers go. You know, certain managers can take the same better players and just do different things with them. You know, you've got almost like there's almost like two breeds of managers coming in and out of, uh, of football at the moment now, and even the EFL. You've got the old school set of managers who are coming in and out. You know, a big big Sam's coming in again at West Brom, which made a lot of people laugh because it's kind of like you know that old conveyor belt. You know, who can we do? Let's get Warnock in. Let's get Big Sam in. You know. And then you get these other managers who people have got no idea about who they are. And people like Paunovic as well. And obviously there's something about them. And they're also learning their trade with, with teams who are, you know, not as necessarily as high profile as, uh, as some of these, these so-called inverted commas bigger teams. What do you think he is bringing to the table for Reading? I think there, there was a kind of a bit of apprehension. I mean, we've had a couple of like unknowns recently. Um, yeah, Stan was obviously known as a player, but didn't have much of, not much managerial experience. And then the same with Jose Gomez. We didn't really know anything about him. So I think um, when when Paunovic did come in, like I said, it, it was like exciting and something new, but no one obviously really knew what to expect from him. And I think he, it's just, it's a completely like different. It's not a, a different style in terms of we we still pass it around a lot around the back and stuff. But there just seems to be more ideas creatively, and and like you say, he just seems to be getting the best out of the players that other managers may not necessarily have done. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a lot more creative. There's a lot more ideas on the pitch, and it, it is just a lot better to watch. So I mean, you're talking about ideas and players on the pitch and actually doing the business basically who's been on fire for you this season 
obviously Lucas Shaw. We signed him last season, but he he was injured for a lot of it and never really got a, a running in the team. And I think it was similar when he was at Sheffield Wednesday. He never really got a, a, a good run, but just the start of this season, he's just been incredible. And with the link up with Yaku Mate, um, and then Ovi Ajaria and Michael Elise in in the midfield, it's just been on their day when the four of them are like on top form, they're just unplayable. And that kind of like link is something that we've been missing at Reading for a long time. So when we then found that Zhao and Mate are now injured for the for the rest of this year, that's quite a, a big blow really. So yeah. And as you say, I mean, these guys, you know, they're injured, so they're not going to be playing. Well, I mean, you've got a big match tonight against uh, Norwich, I think it is. Um, so it's a huge game for that. And then obviously you've got the Brentford game a few days later as well. Do you think, I mean, they're missing from your side, but obviously you've got other players as well. You know, you've got Ejario, you've got other players who are, who are very good, very creative players out there. But are you saying that your squad is, is small and, and as soon as you miss two or three players, it's going to make a big impact on how your side plays? We certainly don't have the smallest squad. I think we've just been hit with injuries quite early on. Um, we, we've had kind of an injury list from the beginning of the season. So when you then like start adding up these kind of first team names, it, it then starts to think, oh, okay, like where is the, the depth in our squad gone? Um, but yeah, like you said, there, there is a lot of creativity and Jawa Mate didn't play on Saturday and we still managed to grind out that win. So it's not the end of the world, but obviously I'd prefer to see them play. Talk about seeing them play. You actually saw some players play in the flesh. You, uh, like me, you know, I went to the stadium a couple of weeks ago and uh, I saw us play Blackburn and it was fantastic to be in the stadium, to have a bit of a sing song, to have a go at the referee, the Lions person, you know, all the stuff that you love to do. And I really enjoyed that as well. But you also were there for the Forest game as well. How was that? Oh, it was amazing. It was um being away from football for so long it I mean it's something me and my mum have done together for like 15 16 years so to then go nearly I think we worked out that it was 287 days or something since we'd been to the football together and over 300 since we'd been to the Medeski so to go that long and and not like it's it's our hobby it's like that's what we look forward to on a weekend like you go through the whole week thinking I'm going to the football and like for me it's more than just the football like like I said I, I get to spend time with my mum and to, to be back in the stadium and to be back with the fans and um, it was it wasn't actually quite an emotional day like when the players came out they came across to where all the play, uh, the fans were sat clapped us Paunovic came over and clapped us and it was just like a it was just a, an amazing feeling to be back there that's, that's good and also do you think that I mean, you played Forest and you pretty much played them off the park, actually. I mean, and I know Forest haven't been particularly great this season, but do you think having fans in the stadium made a difference to the way the players played? Um, I think from like what they've said on social media, I think um, the players appreciate that, that fans can be back. Um, it just, like you said, we, we played so positively that game and like, it never looked like we really got out of second gear. Like, it, it felt like we could have given so much more. But the occasion was just fantastic and, yeah, we just never looked like we were going to lose that game. 
so listen there's a big game on Saturday there's no doubt about it you know you're fighting for a playoff place an automatic promotion place we're flying for playoffs an automatic promotion so you know we both want the three points I mean looking at your team I mean I know a lot of people laughed at you at the beginning of the season because you're at the top of the league and a lot of people were saying oh your XG is low so you know you can't actually maintain that lead if you don't create loads of chances and you know the typical stat stuff that came out but literally every ball that cut went in you know Jow and all your boys they were just scoring it every single time and people said you wouldn't keep it up but you're still there in December and you've almost like seemed to have kind of sort of like sort of not only ridden it out but you've kind of also started to create more chances you've become defensively solid okay yeah you're letting a few goals in a few games in, in that mid period but you seem to find a little balance but you know you're good at creating chances you've got skillful players up there you finish your chances you know good at set pieces you're, you're good at defending set I mean there's a lot of things that your side's good at so you're playing Brentford how do you think you're going to get us um I, I kind of hope that they just continue what they've been doing well when they've been playing well um it it works like we wouldn't be beating teams if it didn't work so um yeah i think just push like we've been we have been good on um like the counter attack so kind of like just keep it tight early and don't concede early because that's that's where our downfall's been is if we've conceded first that's where it's kind of we we haven't always managed to get back into the game um, so I think as long as we can defend well early on, um, I think potentially it could go how it did on Saturday and we just persevered and get the goal at the end. And, I mean, on the flip side of it, what do Reading have to be? I mean, you know, obviously, about Brentford because, you know, I mean, people are laughing, calling us Sky Sports Brentford. It's not Sky Sports Leeds because they've gone now, but they're <laughs> us all over the TV. We're, we're very confused. So I think they must have got it all wrong. But listen, in pandemic times, you know, I think we'll take that because obviously it's the, the, the easiest way to watch our team. But... What do Reading have to do to kind of stem the Brentford tie, do you think? Um, I don't know about Sky Sports Brentford because I, I think Reading are quite close behind with the amount of games that we've been on as well. But um, I think um, Ivan Tony is obviously the one to, to watch. He's, he's banging in a few goals for you. So um, just like I said, um, we've got uh, Michael Morrison and Liam Moore as those solid back two. So hopefully we can keep you quiet. Fingers crossed. So listen, Becca, game on Saturday, exciting. No fans in the stadium, but still, it's going to be a great match. Give us a score prediction. I think 1-0 Redden. Like I said, I think we'll nick it right at the end. Oh, there you go. They're going to be carrying it on. So listen, Becca, brilliant chatting to you. I haven't chatted to you for, for a while, as you said, because you know, you've know you been doing your thing, I've been doing my thing, but it's really good chatting to you again. And fingers crossed you get your <laughs> score prediction completely wrong. <laughs> so I'll be smiling at the end. And you won't do, but we'll chat after the game anyway, okay? Thank you. So there you go, Becca from the Tilehurst End podcast, giving us the lowdown on Reading, who are doing very well this season with their new manager said to you new Serbian manager it's all about the Serbians they're all infiltrating all over the place now in the well English football and they're doing the business so uh, let's see if he's going to be able to carry on he was actually in the MLS last season Um, he he looked after is it Chicago I think he was at the Chicago team he didn't do particularly well but what he says because I have got a few as you know I've got little contacts all over the place I've got some MLS contacts and they said that he actually felt that he he made a few mistakes last season, but he knew what those mistakes were, and he's not going to make the same mistakes again. He's going to use them to better himself 
in uh, in the championship. So uh, he seems to be doing all right. Reading, we're playing them on Saturday. Listen, look, you know, people really did slag them off. You know, at the beginning of the season, they gave them no chance. They were right up the top there, and um, like I said to you, they were looking at the chances that they were creating, saying, "Listen, you can't create sort of one chance a game and score that one chance and win one nil or whatever they're doing, and continue to do that for the rest of the season." But they're listen, we're near Christmas time, and they're still in the top six. They possibly could be third place by the weekend. Reading are doing okay. We do have a bit of a plus point, though. You know, they, they might have a few players. Well, they've got a few players out. Is it Mighty Jow and Richards are all injured. So that's going to be a massive blow for us. So Saturday, looking at the way that we've seemed to have turned a bit of a, a corner and the fact that Reading seemed to be, listen, they used to be struggling. What do you reckon? I, I, I hate playing Reading. Um, I, I don't know why. It's, they're a team that we always seem to... grind out results and get get something from but it's never that glamorous and exciting a game I mean Reading they have been badly hit by injuries haven't they and I think Becca said you know they'll have they'll be fearful of where the goals are coming from on Saturday which is good because they're up against a very strong defence as we've discussed previously so Reading, I don't, th- I just don't think they've got the squad. It looks to me to to hang in there. If they're missing, keep they, they reliant on three or four players. And if you're reliant on those, and two of those, three of those go missing, you 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 have a problem. Um, and I don't see them being a team. They might they might scrape into the playoffs, but they're certainly not going to be autos. I don't think they'll get into the playoffs either. Um, they've got no they've got no real rhythm. They they had a good start to the season. But teams could, could often do that, you know. We're now we're now at the stage where actually the 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 the, the teams that aren't able to sustain a good run of form are going to be found out now. So it's important for Reading to win on Saturday, and I just don't see them doing that. Just want to say, you know, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying about saying, you know, they're, they're not going to they're not going to get playoffs or they'll, they'll just drop out of it. But to be fair. What Reading are good at, they're good at creating chances through individual skill. They've got some really skillful players, players like Ajaria, Elise as well. Um, they create a lot of long shots, you know, so they create, you know, they score goals from outside the area as well. And they're good at doing it. They create chances using through balls as well. You know, they finish their scoring chances. They're good at attacking set pieces. They're good at defending set pieces. They're good at stealing the ball from the opposition. <laughs> They're very good at a lot of things. So I think well, the side's quite, a, quite good at a lot of those things. You you can't necessarily write them off. To be fair, you know, where they are weak is uh, protecting the lead. Also avoiding individual errors as well. They make a lot of individual mistakes and maybe that's where we can actually hit them, especially with the Anelt is doing what he's doing in the midfield as well and doing his terrier type thing and mopping up as well. And also defending against attacks down the wings which is obviously where we uh, have our skills as well big time like you know that's where we actually and a lot of teams they'd be trying to do that by cutting us off at the wings so you know if this is a positive area for us and where they're very very weak is defending against long shots so fingers crossed you know we'll be taking out those 35 yarders and smashing them into the back of the net but to me I mean Sav this isn't the side that we could take for granted, is it? No, no. I mean, we, we never can. I mean, as you say, they've got some good players and you know, people like John Swift have you know, put in some great performances against us in the past. Um, I think tonight's game that they've got against Norwich is going to be a bit of a bellwether because Norwich are a team which are a lot like us. I think in terms of uh, quality, they're, 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 they're very similar to us. And I think it'll be interesting to see how 
Reading can cope because you know I'm not sure when they're getting the good results who they're getting them against. You know they're they're not you know they obviously haven't played Norwich yet, so it will be interesting to see how they do against them. And uh, yeah, no, I think they're there for the taking. It's quite interesting what you say their their weaknesses are exactly what our strengths are. You know, getting down the wings and stuff. So it bodes well for us. But also, I think we're going to be very buoyed up as well by our recent performances. And there's no reason why we should fear uh, a side that is, you know, as you say, lacking, um, you know, quite a few of their top performers. So, yeah, it's looking good for us, I think. In their latest game, Reading beat <coughs> Reading beat QPR uh, 1-0. Um, before that, they lost to Birmingham. Uh, and then before that, they uh, they beat Forest two 0 So I mean, you know, they've played some easy teams, um, Reading Ooh. so far. They haven't they haven't really. And as Sav says, they only got Reading only got one all draw against Sheffield Wednesday. As Sav says, they haven't actually come up against a top notch team like um, they've got Norwich tonight. They've got us on Saturday. Um, I would be surprised if Reading were to walk away with uh, anything more than nil point Oh, the Liberal has spoken. Gee, he's just gone there and he's put the axe right in on Reading straight away. I'm a little bit confident on this one, the Liberal. Um, I'm not too sure. I mean, listen, while we're there, we might as well. I mean, you know, you've just scythed them. Obviously, big zero for their for their goal on this one. I mean, I think we might as well go around and do the score predictions. I'm going to start with Savvy B. Well, I might even have to start with the Liberal because you're on a roll. What are you saying, the Liberal? I'm going to say it's going to be a 2-0 victory to the Bees, just to Silver to score one of the goals with a 35-yard screamer. OK, Savvy B. Uh, well, I'd like to know what Liberal thinks the score tonight's going to be. Uh, I think Norwich are going to win... I think Norwich will win 2-1. OK, well, my, my prediction... I'm not going to predict the Norwich game, but my prediction is uh, 3-1 Bees. I think it's, a, it's one of those where we'll go 3-up and then we'll just... Uh, turn off and they'll score some screamer some lucky screamer from somewhere and uh, it'll be 3-1 and Ray will be really good yeah, and, I, <laughs> and I think we're going to keep it tight keep it tight Brentford and I think it's just a 1-0 win just to keep us into Christmas to keep us happy to keep us ticking over to keep us thinking about the game which is coming a few days later against Newcastle in the quarter final of the League Cup and also this other thing we have to remember as well Ashley no we're in the League Cup quarter final as our Stoke City Reading aren't as well so we're going to have our eye on the ball on that one and and, 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 and you know and who we're going to play for that game you know um, who's going to be in who's going to be out you know do we play a, a B team for a League Cup quarter final which I find completely ridiculous I'm even sort of uttered from my mouth saying that but anyway we'll be talking about that after the Reading game because we're going to be doing another podcast specifically for the Newcastle game after the weekend but anyway listen Great chatting to you guys. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. I want to say thanks, everybody, for uh, giving us a little Kofi, just giving us a little shout, supporting Besotted for all the things that we want to do. Besotted.com forward slash beer if you want to buy us a beer. Kevin Sawyer, big up to yourself. Thank you very much this week for just giving you a little shout out for that one as well, Kevin, you know, as well. But everybody Cheers, else. Kev. Yeah, we're Cheers, all good Kevin. for this. <laughs> good for this one. Like I said to you, we are going to be, well, they're not going to be in the boozer on Saturday because we're not allowed to go to the boozers. We're going to be in our houses just checking out the bees game and fingers crossed they'll be hearing us loud and proud we're not going to be in the stadium either we're going to be in our houses we're going to be loud and proud shouting for the boys on Saturday fingers crossed they're going to be able to get a result as we can but listen if we can get that result it's our eyes peeled for the Newcastle game which we should have been in the stadium for but unfortunately we've gone tier 3 so we can't but anyway 
doesn't really matter. Let's think about Saturday. Let's see if we can get a result. Let's really go for it. And let's give the passion as we say. Come on. Come on, you bees, you bees. Let's just go to Christmas on the nice one. Come on, you bees. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.